Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 242, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by... Tony DiMaggio at Sacred Blossom Farms over in Wisconsin. I tell you, some his teas are some of the most amazing, beautiful teas I have ever seen or tasted. SacredBlossomFarm.com and use the coupon code REALHERB15. That's all caps, R-E-A-L-H-E-R-B-1-5. You'll get 15% off. And as a part of the sponsorship, he'll give us a little bit of the sale to say thank you. So, you want to be an herbalist, do you? If that question's one you fielded or even entertained, you're not alone. As plant-based medicine has grown over the past decade or more, many people are finding their passion for herbs, pulling them into full-time work. That often means a crash course in business, too. Today, we're talking with Katja and Rin from the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism, about the business of herbalism and finding your herbal career. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Patrick Hunter. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And welcome to Real Herbalism, herbalism Radio. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, Patrick. <laughs> Katja and Rin, thank you guys so much for coming back. Oh, we're so happy to be here. Absolutely. And we had a great discussion last time that we spoke. Yeah, in fact, I started thinking I would really love to hear a lot more about your take on business and the business of herbalism. All right. Yeah. Well, we have some thoughts about that. Good. Good, because, you know, it's it's something that we've seen so many people. We see a lot of folks. I've seen a lot of folks getting done with whatever course they've done. Maybe they're certified by the school or teacher they learn from. Maybe not. But they're jumping into trying to start a business, and then they're struggling because their coursework didn't include how to start a business, which is yeah. a whole entire thing of its own. Right. It's, it's sad, right? Because you, you take somebody who's you know talented and excited and, and wants to help people, and then they get hit with some reality, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I, I don't know what to do. I, maybe I can't do it at all. And then yeah. maybe people give up or... You know, and, and it's just sad because that doesn't have to happen. Right. And um, there are some simple things that you can do to make it much less likely to go down that way. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, comes to mind, in my mind anyway, is pacing yourself as you're growing your business. Yeah, I, you know, I, when I think about pacing, I think about sustainability and um Uh, you know, just like we need to think about sustainability and even regenerative practices when we are thinking about our plant populations and and keeping them healthy. um, uh, That's important when you think about being an herbal business person as well, is that you need to think sustainably um, and even regeneratively across a lot of different buckets. Um, So maybe the first one to think about is money. Like you, you need to make sure that you are um, like diversified as much as you can be and that you're not depending on just one income source to keep you going. So um, if you are a, a product maker, for example, and you've been getting your products into Whole Foods, that's really exciting. But if one day Whole Foods says, you know, um, we're not going to carry that anymore, then you're going to be devastated. And that's a real threat to your business. So making sure that you have multiple outlets, even if one of them is larger than all the rest, that's okay. But as long as you have multiple outlets 
for either your products or your, you know, your teaching in multiple places or whatever your discipline is, um, allows you to be a lot more fault tolerant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that, that moment when you have the biggest client leave for whatever reason, which may be no fault of your own. Maybe they hired someone in house and now, you know, they're mixing. Maybe the project just ended. Yeah. Or the project ended. You need to have something else to keep you moving. Which is a double-edged sword yeah. too, because you know you you invest in that. You gave the example of um, Whole Foods. If you have the ability to get into a place like that, the ramp up and production that you have to do is is staggering, and you build this massive business to to meet those orders, and then they're gone. If you don't have anything right. behind that, you are in trouble. Yeah. Right, but it actually isn't that hard to have something like to. It's not that hard to spread across buckets once you've already ramped up in one area, just adding in that same thing in a few other avenues is uh, it's not like the whole work all over again. It's just a small percentage of extra work. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah another way to think about this might be, you know, uh, in a, a different realm of herbalism, more about like clinical work. Right. Mm. So sitting down with people, talking to them. Um, you can definitely get your own, uh, like I'm the herbalist, you contact me directly. We schedule a time, we have an appointments. So that's great. But you might also find ways to, uh, to work in another practice, to work together with a number of different practitioners, like in a, a complementary uh, kind of a clinic where many people are, are all cooperating together. You, even just the difference between only doing appointments in person versus doing them online that can really open up your opportunities there. Right. So that's like another way to think about having multiple streams coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ramping up into any, whichever stream you're focusing on, doing it slowly rather than like overnight success. I mean, overnight success usually isn't sustainable and lasting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So right. yeah. pacing your growth so that you can manage it. And especially when you're in that transition between whatever you were doing before your day job that covered the rent into having your, your herbal based job cover the rent. You know, there's going to be a long time where you're doing both of them at the same time. And if the herbal one grows too quickly, you can end up in a position where you don't have enough energy to give to both. You drop the one, Mm -hmm. but then the plant, the plant-based one crashed because it was a short, it wasn't a well-built, um, business at the point at that point it was young you know what i mean mm. right right yeah in, oh go ahead it, it's also worth saying that especially when you're when you're getting started um a, a couple of things occur to me one is that uh you don't need to do all of herbalism yeah. <laughs> yeah right so we often have students who are super excited they're brand new they've learned a little bit or they're just getting started and they're like yeah my vision is i'm gonna have uh a residential recovery place and people are going to come and we're going to cook all the food for them and I'm going to grow all the herbs that are used in it. And uh, yeah, we're going to get an acupuncturist in there too. And, and they're imagining this enormous thing right. and that's, that's great and wonderful, but you can't create that enormous thing uh, by working on all pieces of it at one time mm-hmm. uh, simultaneously. You kind of, you kind of have to pick and focus a little bit and say, this is what I'm going to focus on right now because this is what I'm best at or most trained in or, that excites me the most and give that its proper attention uh, 
for a while. And then later you might see opportunities to diversify or expand or whatever, but you do kind of need to start and say, all right, what can I, what can I do now? Yeah. <laughs> Rather than what are all of the things that I would like to do someday? You know, on that, I would even say, even at a smaller scale, um, what we find is that you can either be a farmer or you can be a product maker or you can be a clinical herbalist and or teacher, but you can't do all three of those. And you really can't actually do two of them. Not, not by yourself. Well, um, at a very small scale, you can grow herbs and take them to your farmer's market. But as soon as you try to scale that, then you're going to need to get help either on the growing side or the product making side and the going to the farmer's market part of it and all that stuff. Right. So I think that, one one important thing, as important as having multiple revenue streams, diversifying in that regard, is to pick the one thing that you like best and to focus on that. So you're going to do that thing. Maybe you go to three different farmers markets just in case one of them had a bad year. But but you know you're still doing the one thing, um, and and then over time, if you want to add more in, you have better ideas of what you really have the resources to do or the places where you need to get help and grow. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many, it's so exciting when you're getting started and thinking about what, what you could potentially do with the plants, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's an undefined field because herbalism as a whole is defining itself and it has been for the past decade, but it's still as an industry or as a field in our country, at least in America, it's still fairly young and undefined. So it's not like if you say, wow, I really love science. And then in high school, you end up in a chemistry class and you realize you really love chem chemistry. And then you go to college to learn chemistry and then you get further you know, it further focused in another direction. And then the, your, your def definition of what you do as a career, it gets very narrowed so that the playing field's realistic. And then you mm -hmm. get a job or you, you know what I mean? With herbalism, yeah. it's, it, we aren't that far developed. Well, I don't yeah. know about that. I mean, a business is a business. I mean, focusing on a niche or a specialized part of that or, or keeping like you guys were saying, you know, the one thing, getting successful and then going to the next thing. Um, and and I, th I think that's just something we would do to, to narrow it down, to be successful. I mean, you know, it's great to have great ideas. I mean, listen to this guy. I, I started business on, you know, as much as like breathing. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but, but sometimes the follow through, the six month, the one year, the two year down the line, you know, I'll realize I probably jumped in too fast. And then we goes back to the previous podcast where I mm -hmm. just, you know, a lot of fire. But... Mm. I think taking that idea of specialization in, in in the thing that you're you're doing. So as you were saying, selling a product at a farmer's market or, you know, doing um, consults or doing something else instead of saying, I'm going to do it all and yeah. you'll right. run out. It right. won't work. Right. And to be honest, even as clinical herbalists, we are we don't make products. We do custom blend things in that moment, mm -hmm. but we don't have like a product line. And part of that is because um, of the of the guidance around don't sell and tell, you know, like either sell things or 
educate and advise, but don't educate and advise and then say, and you can only get it from me because uh, there's they're sort of a racket there. Yeah. Um, so that's one side. But the other side is you can't you can't do it. You can't, like you can't make really amazing, beautiful products and support a community's needs as a clinical herbalist or teacher. Um, the, both of those take up enough energy on their own that you don't really have enough left to do to do both at scale. Right. And you have to factor in that regardless of which one you're choosing to do, you also have to devote a, a percentage of your time to building a business, which is not yes. handling plant materials in any way or educating anybody. <laughs> it's 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 really different than going to a nine to five job. Yes. Right. It's, right. You know, it's it's working for your business and then it's working on your business. Did you ever wonder how we get those great ideas for articles on The Practical Herbalist? Or those interviews on the Real Herbals and Radio or the summit ideas that we have on Herbs in Action. Well, they're all generated from usually one place and that is the Herbal Nerd Society. If you want a voice in what we produce and what we cater to and make for you, then check out the Herbal Nerd Society and become a member. You'll not only get that voice, but you always get an, you'll also get an ad-free viewing environment on the Practical Herbalist. HerbalNerdSociety.com yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about... Um, uh, the business skills for herbalists uh, <laughs> program, uh, yeah. I'm sure, in yes. a little more detail. But one of the first things that that Katya does with the students there is to get them to write about their vision, right? What would be the ideal thing for them to be doing if they could if they could have their way, and and then to take that and say, all right, now let's break it down and let's get a one year plan and a three year plan and a five year you know plan or projection, um, and start to try to s- to make this feel a little more concrete, a little more real. And then, and then you take them through a process of, of taking each of those and bringing them down another level and saying, all right, so what would be required over the course of the next year to make that a reality? Yeah. What steps do you have to take to get there? Yeah. And I think one of the most important things you do for the students is you have them actually sit down and imagine how much time each of those steps would take. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then that's the point where they say, oh, I guess you were right when you told me I should only be doing one quarter of these things. Yeah. Uh, but but that's the thing. When you're dreaming, uh, it, is, it, it is the thing that we do, and also it's appropriate to dream big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you actually want to think about implementation and like, well, how much time will it take me to design um, my website and to figure out what words I want to say to explain to people what it is that I do. Well, that kind of takes a while actually. Yeah. And there's only so much time. And so that you start to realize, Oh, I really can't do it all. And that doesn't mean that you won't ever do it. Mm-hmm. It just means that it's not going to happen this month. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in any business, herbalism, selling widgets, fixing cars, doing accounting, any of those businesses, there's a certain point where you say, I'm going to pay somebody to do my social media marketing, or I'm going to pay somebody to do my bookkeeping, or I'm going to pay somebody to do these pieces of my business because they take more time and I want to do my business. But you have, yes. to, be at a, you have to be at a point where you're making enough money to, to afford that. Until you then, you you're do. doing it yourself. Right. Yeah, that's, and that was the thing. I mean, just with us, with our, with our, with, with our business, with Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism, was like over the years, um, 
at first it was we do literally everything. We build the web page from scratch. We every everything literally is every single thing. Yeah. And then no, we understand. Um, yeah. And then and then that can also become a habit as well. Right. Yeah. And so after several years of that, we had to kind of look around at a moment and realize, wait a minute, we could get help with this. Yeah. And then there's also that moment of like, but I, I don't know if I, I want to let, let that go. go of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Letting go of control is is that's a big, that's a phase in business growth. The point where you can let go of control Definitely. And, yeah. and trust. We, we want to see people do that as strategically as possible yeah. and think about. You know, it's funny because you were mentioning paying somebody to do your social media marketing. Um, and that's something I tell people don't ever do. Um, <laughs> because, like, pay someone to keep your accounts, pay someone to do your taxes, yeah. but don't pay someone to be the way that you interact with the world because that's actually what people are buying from you. Yeah. And your, like, your ability to interact with people on social media, even though, like we all can roll our eyes about social media sometimes because it's the monster that never sleeps. On the other hand, like you have a direct ability to actually talk to real people. And um, that's amazing. So that's that's one thing that I would never outsource um, just because it's it's too valuable of an opportunity. Hmm. And, and on a similar <laughs> note, though, we have gotten uh help help from professionals who can give us some guidance about how to take what we want to say mm -hmm. and um, reach people differently or or express it in a way that's going to be a little more SEO'd up or whatever it is. Yeah, so, so yeah. That, that aspect has definitely helped us. Yeah, having somebody who really knows their way around SEO advise us on, um, you know, how we should be spending our social media time, that's very valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's really true. So so it's really about figuring out what where where can you get the most benefit for your assistance dollars? And sometimes, as crazy as this sounds, sometimes the best answer is to pay someone to wash your dishes and do your laundry for you, yeah. because there are times when it's very difficult to teach someone to do some aspect of your business, but it's not hard to teach somebody how to do laundry. Like lots That's of people know how to do Really good advice. I never even thought yeah. about that or heard that before. No one's ever said, you know, do you, to have someone <laughs> do those things, they, you know, like you said, you don't have to be highly trained to do, mm -hmm. um, but are not specialized to your business. That's actually really an interesting concept. I've never even, no one I've ever heard in, you know, 30 <laughs> years of business has ever even suggested that. Yeah. So yeah. that's it's really good. Like we've we don't do this all the time, but like when we've had crunch time or a particularly busy season or whatever, we've we've had people come and, and clean up and, and give us help in, in that way, and we feel really weird about it. It is it like, is really weird. We're not the kind of people that can have a house cleaner. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on the, on the other hand, herbalism is so specialized yeah. that it can be very difficult to find a business helper. You know, it's hard to have somebody do your marketing for you simply because there are words you're not allowed to say yeah. and they don't like it's no not, matter how many intuitive. times you explain that yeah. they like they're gonna maybe not quite get it so um so yeah so keep you know you spent a long time training in this specialized area so the tasks that require that kind of training don't hire those out hire out the things that somebody else has the training to do like your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I want to changing the oil in your car. <laughs> right. I want to jump back. You basically what you were saying, uh, Rin, was that you guys actually. And I don't want to use these two words because people freak out when you say it, but you're talking about a business plan. Yeah. Yeah. Business yeah, you plan. are. Yeah. I mean, you're talking yeah. about a vision, what you want, and then you start, mm-hmm. you know, projecting and where your plan is going to be in the first year, second year, third year, how your growth is going to generate. And by doing that, you're actually causing them to really think about their business. And, yeah. you know, so many of us, and me included, I have a really great job, mm-hmm. but I don't really have a business per se. You know, because the business right now wouldn't work without me. So I'm I'm uh, everything, right? And I want to move to a different level in my business where it's actually it's the business doing the work and not me doing the work. And that's mm-hmm. going to take time and, and change. But, you know, having that plan and having someone be able to sculpt that, it's a huge, huge mm-hmm. asset that you're giving them. And I don't even know that they think it's that important when they're, they're doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I come from a project management background um, back in the software industry. And uh, I think that really is one of the things that has served me so well. And so I spend a lot of time teaching the business students project management. And we do everything um, on um, like quarter goal achievement sets, like 13 week um, project runs because 13 weeks is long enough to get something substantial done, but it's short enough that you can still hold it all in your head. So we take that big project plan and then we get really granular quarter by quarter. And that allows for adjustment. It allows for um, sort of flexibility and being nimble, but it also allows for a lot more feedback, which drives motivation because you're seeing the results um, a lot faster that way. And you're seeing yourself achieve your goals. Um, and our, our business mentorship is nine months long. And by the end of those nine months, our students have a business, they have a website, they know how to do their marketing, they're registered, they've got whatever insurance they need, they've, they've, they know how to do all the GMP or if they're product people and all the things they're done. It's, it's complete. And seeing that happen month over month, and quarter after quarter is that's what keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I I think starting off that way, it allows people to understand that, you know, just because you worked on this for nine months doesn't mean you're done working on this forever. It means Mm -hmm. you've accomplished a lot. And while you may give yourself a quarter off, you're going to start a a whole new round of that because that's what keeps your business growing. We don't believe in taking quarters off. Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, at the end of the nine months, we have the, we have the next year completely set up and we have the next quarter set up in any way we have an advanced business mentorship too. So they don't have to stop after nine months. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But yeah. actually, I mean, it is worth saying though, um, that it does take, it does take nine months to get yourself rolling and, oh, yeah. you know, maybe not for everybody, but it takes some time. One of the things that, um, often happens is people will reach out to us and say, Hey, I really love herbs. I want to start my herbal business. And um, I'm wondering if you can help me to do that as fast as possible because I need some some more money to come in. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I need some money right now. No. Right. Yeah. No, your so best bet at that point might be to go get another job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the start of a discussion, right? And like, yeah, yeah we, can, we can definitely help you get your business going. It's going to take some time. You know, there's going to be, you, you're going to have to let things develop and, and 
you can you can push them along, but you can't necessarily make it all happen overnight. Even if you were super dedicated and working yourself to the bone, and we don't really advise that in any way. But um, <laughs> but even if you were to do it, it wouldn't get you a full fledged business in six weeks. Right? Yeah, and I think I mean people don't when they ask that question, they don't really realize how much you need to be in business. Yeah. Um, but you need a, a website and it, it can't be like, like, it's gotta be a good website these days, you know, yeah. and you need a social media presence and you can't build that overnight. That takes time to build up and, and there are mailing lists and yeah. yeah, like, oh my goodness, mailing lists, like all of that, <laughs> stuff, it takes us time to, to build it and not just to build it, but also to practice consistency Right. And um, and to learn how to use the tools. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So yeah. it really nine months is nine months is an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it takes time to you, you always end up with those surge at the beginning, like while you're building the website, you know, and you're going to spend a lot more time on it and you think mm -hmm. it'll get done and then you won't have to spend nearly as much time on it. <laughs> yeah, you're still going to spend a surprising amount of time on it. So you yeah, have to like that. Yeah, you have to you have to take. As you're building it, you have to be thinking about sustaining it, you know, mm -hmm. right. and, and it, it's going to require that. Yeah. Well, there, there, I mean, when it comes to that kind of stuff, too, there are questions on, on you know, where and how are you going to market? I mean, if you're just going to you serve your local community, you know, the website doesn't necessarily have to do something if you were going to serve a national community. So it, it's, a, yeah. you know, there are different levels of, of, of things that... Um, for marketing and that kind of stuff that you change based on where your market is going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you change the, the content of it. You change the presentation. Um, but I mean like today people hop online to find out about stuff inside of their town or the next yeah. block over. Yeah. People are so internet savvy these days. There's, you can't get away without having a competent online presence. Yeah. I mean, when oh, we no, started, I'm not we saying started, that. We, I no. did not say, yeah, yeah I'm not no, saying no, that at all. Yeah. But it's, when we, when it's we possible. started our business, we would advertise with like, um, you know, flyers, flyers with the little <laughs> tear off tabs, you know, and I would print a hundred of them and walk all around town and post them up everywhere. And, yep. you know, uh, put our business cards up at Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah that, that doesn't really cut it anymore. No, uh, but you no. can you can have a website if your business is if your initial biz plan business plan is just to start off really small. You can realistically have a one or two page website at the beginning, but you're going to need to add to it. You, you, yeah, in any way, keep it that small. The, you know, the one or two page part isn't as hard as what the words are going to say on those yeah. one or two pages. That's well, I, the part that yeah. takes people well, the time. I, yeah. I do that. Like thinking of, thinking right. about that communication and how you want to educate your community about what you have to offer them. Yeah. Well, the number one thing that I tell all my clients, because I do websites for people, is the content. Yeah. I mean, I can yep. make it look nice and everything, but it, I, it's your content and you've got to, I'm not going to write it for you. And, <laughs> yes. And so you have yeah. to, like you just said, you have to be able to create that content. And that's even harder than making the website. Yes. Right. And yeah. we also, I also find sometimes with um, with our students that they're like, well, what can I write about herbs that hasn't already been written a hundred times? And yeah. I said, don't worry about that at all. Write, mm -hmm. write what you think, what you know, what you feel, what you experience about herbs, write it in your voice, you know, right. and let let that draw people in because there are enough people out there in the world looking for an herbalist now that 
somebody is going to be drawn to the way you present things. Yeah. Like you don't have to, and you shouldn't try to appeal to literally everybody because then you'll just be bland and, and flat and like, you know, milk toast and everything else. Like be who you are, talk about what you're interested in, speak the way you speak, you know, um, and let that be what catches people. You, you can't, you can't change who you are, how you practice, what you think to try to, to reach more market share or whatever else. Yeah. The people yeah. are there. Yeah. One the of the tricks are... that like writers often use is you choose, you imagine your perfect, just right client and you're writing yes. solely for them. That's the only person in your audience just right for them because they, that one person represents a whole lot of other people out there. This is, um, this is really behind our, uh, it, well, it's not just our idea. It's, it's, a uh, growing in popularity um the concept of community not competition yeah and um the you know this is the herbalism is a perfect place for this and there have been times over over our career where um people have said well how how come you're letting somebody else work in your office like aren't you worried they're going to take your clients no <laughs> like we every Everybody speaks a different language, even though even everybody, even if everyone is speaking the same actual literal language, we all have a different perspective and a different way of seeing the world. And even just between Rin and I, on one hand, we practice very similarly, but on the other hand, really not. And um, I have a really big, loud personality and Rin is more gentle and it's <laughs> it's. Like some people don't want to be alone in a in a consultation room with me because I've got really big opinions and mm -hmm. they would feel more comfortable working with Rin because he's gentler and softer and and so the point here is that um, this is a strength actually like focusing on your real voice and your perspective not only will help you find the people who want to work with you but also it helps you to build the community in whatever place it is that you're working. Because right now you might be the only herbalist you know, but in five or 10 more years, you won't be. So it's better to start thinking now about community, not competition, and start thinking now about how you and the other practicing herbalists in your community can actually support each other, because that's going to cause growth for everybody, yeah. not not the other way around. Like people think, oh no, I can't do that because then they'll get the business and not me. But that's not how it works. Like creating abundance helps everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's it really united. We stand divided. We fall. It, it comes down yep. to the same thing. As a community, we unite. And as herbalists, when we learn to work together well and recognize the idea of scarcity is not actually real and yes. we can throw that out then suddenly now there's no scarcity. So now we can actually work together and learn from one another and become better people and better herbalists as a result. Right. You know, it's a win-win. Yeah. I guarantee you there are no medical students saying, I wonder if I made a good choice to go to medical school because there's going to be too many doctors. That is not That's, happening. That's not going to happen. It never <laughs> happens. And yet I hear people say, maybe I can't be an herbalist because maybe it's too popular and there's too many people. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like no. we don't even have 1% of the number of herbalists that we need. Right. Uh, and 
this is this is long work. This is, you know, sitting in in consultation, whether it's online or in person, it takes a long time. So there have to be a lot of us. Yeah. Some of that that is also about um, the uh, something we were speaking about earlier about finding your your way of working, finding your voice. But that can also involve finding your niche, too. Right. Yeah. So um, a lot of people who are interested in herbalism are also going to be interested in uh, forestry skills or in like primitive skills like fire building and, and, you know, making a shelter out of what you find on the ground and and stuff like that. Um, Or in, in movement skills, right? Like they're thinking about their health. They're thinking about, they'd like to feel stronger and more flexible and everything else. And so um, if you know how to do some primitive skill stuff, or if you know yoga, then that can be part of what you do. Like right. one thing we've tried to get across to a lot of our students is that being an herbalist doesn't mean that all you ever do is give people herbs. Yeah. Right. right. Like you can be an herbalist who also does some Reiki or you can be an herbalist who teaches yoga classes and entwines herbs in your yoga and yoga in your herbs and like, yep. like with the peanut butter and the chocolate, you know, <laughs> right. Oh, we have we have one uh, student who became a, a, a dear friend who's an herbalist and a personal chef. And that is a fantastic combination. That is a beautiful combination. Yeah. yeah, There's so many ways to blend this together. And by the way, that comes back to our diversifying your revenue stream, because if you are an herbalist and a personal chef, you first off, you're, you're offering something that other personal chefs don't have to offer. But secondly, if, if, if you start to like, maybe not as many people are hiring personal chefs, that's okay because you've got this other side that you can lean on as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the way around, like just finding your own way of expressing. Yeah. And I think, I think part of this is that um, at some point along the line there, maybe in the nineties or early two thousand or something, the idea of an herbalist sort of started to get reified a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's not actually historically accurate at all. Right. Like if you look at, uh, yeah. I don't know, Dioscorides or like <laughs> uh, Galen yeah. or whatever, like they would work with herbs, but they would also give advice around movement and about diet and about all these other things. And so it like herbalism as a, the idea of like, all you do is work with plants and give people tea and tincture. Um, that's a very, very modern conceit. Yes. And it doesn't actually serve us very well to hold on to that too tightly. Well, and folks who do clinical consultations, I mean, almost all of them will tell you that, yeah, um, the teas and the plants were part of it, but there was also some lifestyle suggestions or goals that we talked about, or there was an emotional component that, you know, was discussed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many, it branches way beyond just, you know, some tea or some tincture. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And even just the definition of clinical herbalism, um, like we're, we're on just like just right on the tippy edge of the diving board about to jump into an explosion of ways that that can look as we start to see more and more types of movement practice and movement coaches, and then seeing the overlap there with also herbalism or starting to see people who practice their clinical herbalism outdoors or starting to see like, so that we are solving multiple problems at once that, yeah. People are too sedentary, so let's talk about herbs and move our bodies at the same time. People spend too much time indoors, so let's talk about your herbal questions outdoors. You know, all these different 
like a, a million different possibilities here. And I think that that is just starting to crack open a door where we're just starting to see the possibilities there. And people want that. Yeah. They want to go outside and remember <laughs> how to do it. And yeah. they want somebody to t teach them how to climb a tree. And by the way, it's a pine tree. And did you know what you can do with this pine resin? And yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we're we're on the edge, like you said, on the edge of seeing this really reshape large aspects of our culture in a really yeah. positive way. Yeah. And again, it, it does go back to um, to a thing we see a lot with students where they they sort of get the impression at some point that there's a way to be an herbalist and they should match that. And sometimes that is like, oh, well, I'm interested in teaching. And so if I want to be a, a teacher of herbalism, that means... I need to put together a, a weekend apprenticeship program and a three-year clinical training program. Yeah. <laughs> and it should have these steps in it and it should look like this. And, you know, like there's something to be said for like having certain, I don't know, standards or like reference points for education quality. But none of that should mean that everybody has to run the same herbal apprenticeship program that was designed in the 80s. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys so very much. Um, I want to know how can people get a hold of you and repeat your, especially your business skill training. What is the name of that program? So that is the business mentorship, and you can find all of our courses that are and and every step of our herbal training uh, program as well at CommonwealthHerbs.com. Yeah, and you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube. Uh, you just look for Commonwealth Herbs and you will find us there. And if all else fails, you can always send us an email at info at commonwealthherbs.com. Perfect. I will make sure that I get all the links for all of those different avenues of connection into the show notes. Oh, right. you know, there's oh, yeah. one other thing I wanted to mention, and yes. that is um, that we host the American Herbalists Guild business chapter, and that is a, a national chapter that is um, uh, held online. So I will give you the links for the show notes for people to find the business chapter where you can um, connect with other herbal business people just to get some support and some community and hear how other people are doing things and bounce ideas around. Lovely. Thank you. I love that. Perfect. All right. Well, Candace, as always, put, put an herb on it. it. <laughs> The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.